God is doing great things. We celebrate that. Sari's in our life group. She's one of our international partners here at Grace. If you are not familiar yet with our international partners, we have about 40, and you can check out in the lobby their different pictures, start to pray for them. In ministry, it's happening all around the world. We're connected with places like Laos, and God is breaking through in amazing ways. As Sari said, there's about three uh, billion people who haven't heard yet about Jesus, and some of the intentionality is to bring the Bible to people so everyone can learn how much God loves them and start that relationship. And we're all participating together. We're a church that's going, sending, praying, welcoming. God loves the world. There's people from all nations, tribes, and tongues in heaven together, and we're seeing God's kingdom grow every single day. I encourage you to think through not just local, but global vision for your own life. Like Sari, a few years ago, just said, God, what do you want me to do? And what is it? It could be Bible translation, and that's more than just you know, cognitive, academic. People are literally laying down their lives, our brothers and sisters, trying to translate the Bible. There's persecution. It's not an easy road. So continue to be in prayer, and let's continue to pray for nations around the world and be generous and prayerful and bless nations as God's blessed us as well. We are also thankful to God that right now, high school camp, and as the high school students are gathered, there's also a large number of people from our church serving there on a holiday weekend And we're thankful for everyone that serves the next generation. Continue to pray as the high school students return tomorrow that God would move in their hearts. And so often we see that God, the younger generation will catch fire and inspire. And we're so encouraged by what God is doing with our high school students right now. We're thankful. And today we're in Exodus chapter two. In this series, we're looking at the compassion of God today. The series is Exodus, which means a way out. God still sets us free and brings hope. The compassion of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are so gracious to us. You're forgiving, you're merciful, you are kind, and we worship you. God, you are holy, you are just, you are powerful. God, we worship you with reverence and awe. And Father, we thank you that even when we blow it, and we make terrible decisions. God, you lift us up, forgive us, redirect us, and you have a great purpose in our lives. We pray as we dive into scripture today, you continue to communicate to us, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. God gives us the Bible. It's an incredible gift, and he gives us scripture so that we'll know God, so that we'll listen to God. We'll know God's character and how God works We will grow in our faith. We will walk together with God as one family, individually and together, different generations and nations coming together, seeking God. And as we gather today and we know God more, it leads to appreciating God more, serving God more, our devotion, our affection. God is the one who changes our hearts and the word of God is living and active. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts and lives as we dive into scripture We want to grow in our faith. Moses is growing in his faith, but it includes some painful lessons. Would you agree that growth is not always linear and it's not pain-free, but in fact, even in our mistakes, our bad decisions, God continues to stay with us and grow us, develop us. Sometimes growth is painful. We're going to see it in Moses' life here, but there's encouragement because of the compassion of God. The compassion of God floods our lives And here's four words. The compassion of God, it's linked to the restoration God wants to bring. 
And with that restoration, there's a preparation. God is at work in our lives. He has great purpose, and it leads to a multiplication where God blesses you. There's gonna be blessings poured out beyond what you could even think or imagine. All of this is because of the compassion of God. Let's take a look at his compassion in Exodus 2, starting in verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Moses is about 40 years old at this point. He's learned a lot in life, but there's still a lot to learn. He is gonna go to where the Israelites are in slavery, even though he's now in the royal palace, and he's gonna see the realities of what's happening. I encourage you to face the reality of the world we're living in today. Some people wanna hide from the reality and just pretend like everything's fine. Some people get really passive and they just sit back with their hands in their pockets and pretend like nothing should change in the status quo, but that is not how God sees it. Other people, instead of shrinking back, they get overwhelmed by the reality and they get discouraged and fearful and worried, but that is not where God is. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power in love. Moses is not gonna hide from the reality. He's not also gonna try to numb the reality, but he faces the reality. Are you facing the realities of your situation? That should drive you to God. Moses is gonna face the realities and he's gonna think through, what can I do? Unfortunately, his decision here is not gonna be a good one. Now, your good emotions can lead to bad decisions. Think about Moses Put yourself in his shoes. He has compassion as people are suffering. They're being mistreated. There's oppression. He has love. He has great intentionalities. He wants a better life for them. He has great motivation. He wants to see them set free. His feelings are legitimate. There's a stirring, a holy righteous anger. When you see injustice, you can have a, a righteous anger. The Bible says anger is not a sin, but in your anger, don't sin. The anger, when you see someone mistreating someone else, that's a good emotion to have. But what are you gonna do with that? Good intentions, good motivation, he wants to take action, he cares, but he's gonna make a bad decision. You can have all of those positive pieces and still dishonor God. You can have all of those, and they're in place, they're right where they should be, and yet the question is, how are you gonna respond? And with the right intentions, feeling, and motivation, sometimes we make the wrong choice about the actions that we're gonna take. And the world is not who we wanna imitate. The world will say, get revenge, bitterness, unforgiveness, harsh, violent, take matters into your own hands. And that's the direction Moses goes. But he knows better. 
There's a better way to respond. And he lets his feelings get the best of him and he makes a bad decision. Now he has God's heart, God's desire. He's aware of God's plans, but he doesn't do things God's way. When you wake up in the morning, you're either gonna do things your way or God's way. When you parent, you're gonna do things your way or God's way. When you go to your job, you're gonna do things your way or God's way. When there's conflict, you're gonna do things your way or God's way. When you see injustice, you're gonna tackle it your way or God's way. And we all have that same decision, that same crossroads. Which way will we go? In this instance, Moses doesn't go God's way. He goes his way. He thinks, I can handle this situation and we can relate to Moses. We can relate. Again, some people wanna do nothing these days. You can't stoke the fire. They've retreated. They just wanna be in the cave. They're just tired of everything. They close their ears. They get passive. They don't think there's any purpose. They don't think things are gonna change. And they just give up. No action. Don't fall into that trap. And then other people, they wanna do something. And yet, it's the wrong thing. You can do nothing or you can do the wrong thing. Those are two traps to stay out of. Moses is gonna do the wrong thing. And he's learning at this point about how to walk with God through the really difficult situations in life. He's 40 years old and he's learning. We are lifelong learners. And this is what he's learning. He's learning about God's timing, God's power. How many people have been water skiing before? Most, okay. You know there's no power if you let go of the rope, right? There's no power. There's no power, hypothetically, if you were in front of the boat. That's not gonna really happen, but there's no power up there. You're not gonna water ski in front of the boat. The key to water skiing, they tell you this in the training, it's that your arms are straight, your knees are bent, and then here's the key. Let the boat pull you up. Let the boat pull you up. The key to water skiing is learning how to harness the power of the boat because the power of the boat is so much greater than your own power. How does an eagle learn to soar? An eagle learns to soar by harnessing the power of the wind. The Holy Spirit brings a fresh wind, Jesus says. Do you know the wind of the Holy Spirit? See, a lot of people are flapping, but they're relying on their own power and they're not soaring because they haven't figured out the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And the key to the Christian life, see, none of us can save ourselves And none of us can live the Christian life on our own strength. So the key to the Christian life is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. A lot of people have the form of religion, but not the power of God. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity and fear, but power and love through the Holy Spirit. You've got to listen to Jesus, be led by the Holy Spirit, abide, keep in step with the Spirit, and honor God and walk in his power and his timing. Moses is consumed by the situation and thinks, I don't need to wait on God or listen to God. I'm just going to step in and solve this thing. How many fixers in the room? You think, I've studied enough, I've seen enough, I've done enough life, I'm 40 years old, I'm tired of watching this, I'm gonna handle it my own way. I don't need church, I don't need the Bible, quit telling me about what God says, I know what I wanna do right now. And that's exactly where Moses is. And Moses, good attributes. He's courageous, he's strong, he's been trained, 
He's educated, he's intelligent, he's action-oriented, he knows right from wrong, and he knows what needs to change. All those are his strengths, but where he falters is when he tries to be independent from God. Some people drift into independence from God with a lot of procrastination. You know what God's called you to do. You know the right thing. You know the good thing God wants you to do, but you won't take the next step, and you've got a lot of excuses, a lot of rationalization, but you continue to stay in the same place. You're in the wilderness. God's saying, go into the promised land. But a lot of people, they just keep going in circles and there's procrastination. They're living independent from God in that way, even though they still have a relationship with God as the sons and daughter. But the other way to be independent from God is to say, God, I know you said Thursday, but I'm gonna do it on Monday. God, I know you said wait till March, but this is February and we're taking action. God, I'm gonna hit fast forward whether you like it or not. And I don't even care if my friends are coming with me, I'm gonna run ahead. And that's a way to be independent of God. You won't have the peace of God when you're constantly running ahead of God, prematurely chasing things. And you won't have the peace of God when you sit there passive and procrastinate all the time. You won't have the peace of God because the Holy Spirit's saying, it's time to go. You've been given gifts. Don't wait any longer. So a key to the Christian life is discerning. Am I running ahead of God? Am I waiting too long? You know uh, your own personal bent. And Moses needs to hone in and really listen to God. Bad solutions steal your peace and they delay your purpose. Moses thought he was smooth. How many people here, don't raise your hands, think you're kind of smooth? You, you, you think you're kind of smooth. I mean, you're smoother than average. I mean, maybe you're not the smoothest in the room, but you kind of know systems, you kind of get people, you read people. You know, they say that over the majority of people in the world think that their emotional and relational intelligence is above average. How is it that most people think that their relational intelligence is far above average? Right, so we just have a way in us of thinking, you know, I've got this figured out a little more than most people. I know how to handle things. I know how to cover my bases. And Moses thinks he's pretty smooth. This is what he does. He takes a glance over there and a glance over there. And is anybody watching? Because here's an Egyptian mistreating one of the Israelites and it's time to take action. He wants to kill the Egyptian. So before he does that, he just takes a look around the room. No one's here, no one's here. Have you ever been on the verge of a sin and just taking a look around to see, is anyone watching? Is anyone checking me out? Oh, no one's here, then I'll go ahead with it. No one's gonna catch me, then I'm gonna say yes to the sin. Doesn't look like anyone knows, I'm definitely going for it. This is the right time. Look, no one can see my phone. No one can see what I'm doing right now. No one's around. I'm gonna choose the sin. And that's exactly what Moses does after he looks around. Moses is too intelligent to take this approach in life. There are some intelligent people. I'm talking college degrees, master's level. They're teaching people. And you know what they think? They think, I can get away with this one. I'm not gonna get caught on this one. Moses, you're too smart 
to buy into the lie that no one's gonna find out. This is what we would all tell Moses, and this is what we share with each other every single time it will catch up with you. A hundred percent of the time, guaranteed, it will be known. It will be known. It'll be known by people frequently. It's funny how many times parents say, oh, the kids have no idea. No clue. And the kids are like, you, you want me to tell you what's going on? I'll tell you. Because okay. we think we're so smooth, right? We lie to the people in our life group. We say, oh, I'm doing awesome. Because we're so smooth. We know how to cover up. We know how to hide our tracks. We know that we can get away with things. At least that's what we think. But you know what the Bible says? That everything is laid bare in God's sight. That even if you hide it from a few people, you hide nothing from God. And the Bible says that we are all fully accountable for everything we do. That when our days are over, we're gonna come before holy God. And it just reminds us that though we are lawbreakers and we sin and rebel and break God's commands and fall short of his glory, it's only by the compassion of God that we have forgiveness. But we can learn some things before that day. Wouldn't you agree? That instead of just waiting and then realizing that God sees and knows everything, we can walk in reverence, humility, the fear of God. We can honor God when no one's looking. We can work hard when our boss isn't there, right? We don't have to cheat on our effort or time because everything we're doing, we're doing it unto the Lord and that brings freedom and security. But Moses right here doesn't wanna do this unto the Lord and then he's asked the question, who made you ruler and judge over us? And that word literally means, who made you the great deliverer? Well, there's irony because that question's asked and God made Moses the great deliverer. And it's not gonna happen right here. It's not gonna happen for another 40 years. So it's prophetic as well. Moses has asked that question and it's a reminder that the choices we make today shape our future. If Moses didn't kill the Egyptian and try to hide him in the sand, what would the delivery process look like from God to free the people? We don't know exactly, but we know this, when we rebel against God, there's a lot of delays and unnecessary delays a lot. There's consequences for our sin. And sometimes people end up in prison and the God's purpose for them, it gets delayed and so forth. We don't have all the answers, but we know that Moses' choice here has a lot of consequences. Do you know what shapes your future? Your habits today. Scripture today, prayer today, loving people today, forgiving people today, honoring God today. The decisions today take you on a different path when you honor God than if you don't honor God. And Moses, because he's not gonna honor God, is gonna go down a different trajectory than if he would've walked with God. Don't let sin dupe you Sin wants to master you. Sin wants to steal precious time. Sin wants to steal things from your life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Say no to sin, Moses, and walk with God. Moses is gonna have a lot of time to think about this, and they're gonna ask him, you know, Moses, are you gonna kill more people? Like, here's the question. When is your secret sin gonna stop? 
When is the pattern of sin in your life gonna stop, Moses? How much more damage do you really need before you change? And Moses has a lot to take into consideration here. Moses, you're called to set people free. Moses, walk in the freedom of God. And Moses is taking this all in. When will I honor God? When will I do it God's way? When will I trust God? When will I live in the abundance that God brings? Instead of trying to take shortcuts and be selfish and be consumed with what I want it to look like. He's wrestling with those questions. Do you ever wrestle with those questions? Moses, as he's wrestling, is gonna change his location because Herod hears that Moses killed an Egyptian and now Moses is on the run. Here's the picture of the map. Moses runs from Egypt down to Midian. He travels a long way along the eastern part of the Red Sea. And he arrives in Midian, and now instead of being in the royal courts of Egypt where he's been promoted, now he's on the run in the desert, in the dry land of Midian. Have you ever gone from the comforts of the royal courts to the desolate, dry desert of rebellion. Moses is lonely in Midian. He's now away from family. He's away from his friends. Sin affects us in so many ways. And now here he is in Midian, trying to get a new start, trying to figure out life in a relationship with God far away. Moses' purpose was to go courageously rescue other people. And where is he? He's on the run. He's on the run, far away from the people he's called to deliver, running away from his calling. And we have to take that in because the gospel is both some bad news and some exceptional news. When people tell you today the Christian message is just be blessed, God is awesome, you're awesome, everything's awesome, so just celebrate the awesomeness. (laughs) That's not the real full picture of the gospel. The gospel is that God is holy and all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That we're all flawed, we're all in desperate need of forgiveness because without forgiveness, we'll spend an eternity away from a holy God. But God sees us in that condition and pursues us and loves us. He invites us into a relationship. So much does his love compel him that Jesus dies on a cross for our sins and that he's risen from the grave, and that we have the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, we're in God's family forever, and somehow Jesus became sin and gives us his righteousness, and it's all grace not earned, and this is the good news. If you don't know you've sinned, you won't turn to a savior. If we never talk about sin, you'll never appreciate the grace and mercy and compassion of God. And the truth is that God's compassion is our only hope. God's grace is our only hope. None of us have anything we can stand on with righteousness. It is the pure grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God. At this very low point, at this very low point in Moses' life, there's still the compassion of God. And the compassion of God is the only place he can go. And the compassion of God is sufficient. And I encourage you today, if you've blown it and you know it, don't run away from God, but come and receive his compassion and his healing and his restoration. 
God is able, his grace is greater than our sin, and God is faithful to Moses and to us. Now, we, we see in this next section, when you're in a low place, how do you respond? Look at verse 16, and we read, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds then came along and drove them away, but Moses got up, came to the rescue, and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughters, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. Moses, when he started his life, it was a low point because Pharaoh insisted that all the Hebrew boys were thrown into the Nile and killed. Moses almost died, but God rescued him. God took his family from that low point and then all the training and provision and Moses raised up, still loving God, still wanting to see his people free, raised up in terms of promotion and influence. But now Moses hit a low point again because he made a terrible decision and murdered a man. Maybe you have a temper. Maybe you gossip. Maybe you slander. Maybe you murder people with their words. Maybe you physically hurt some people. Moses went down to a low point. Moses knows about the low points and the high points and the low points of life. One way to tell your story is just to think back in your life. What have been the high points? What do you want to thank God for and celebrate? And then what have been the lowest points of your life? Don't negate or deny those. But how did God meet you in those low points with his compassion and start to heal and restore you? Moses has seen a lot in 40 years. And now here he is sitting by a well, really needing a second chance. And these ladies come. Ruel, his name is also Jethro in the Bible, has seven daughters. And they've come to water the flock. And at the same time, the shepherds show up. And I realize that shepherds is usually a euphemism. It's usually a positive name. When we think of shepherds, we think, oh, they're helpful. Well, actually, these shepherds drove the women away. They were selfish. They were bullies. In Egypt, they were bullies. In Midian, there's bullies. It would be nice to live in a place where there were no bullies. But the sad reality is these bullies are everywhere. And they're abusive and selfish. Moses stands up to the bullies and God gives him courage. God will give you courage to stand up to the bullies. And Moses has learned some things. The first time the bullies were there, Moses killed one of the bullies. But now Moses is gonna have a different approach. He's more in step with God. He's more humble. Have any of you ever made a mistake and you knew you blew it and then God allowed you by his grace to go back into the same situation and handle it differently? I mean, I think as parents, that's all the time, right? Okay, woo, didn't handle that one so well. Hey, can we have a do-over? Could, could, could I say that to you again, right? It's kind of humbling in life, but it's the truth. We, we misplay situations. We make bad choices, and now here he is. Moses is trained in the military. It's the greatest military in the face of the earth at the time. All kinds of techniques, skills, training, Moses could take out the shepherds if he wanted and bury them in the sand. 
But in this particular instance, he's gonna de-escalate. We don't know how he did it, but it's a successful rescue. The shepherds are driven away. The bullies are driven away. And what happens? We see that these ladies now are able to access the water. By the way, we're so grateful for our military that serves, that lays down their life, that protects our country and just stands up to bullies all, all over the place. Continue to keep them in your prayers. Uh, Moses makes a right decision and it gives hope for the future. When you're at a low point in life, start serving and start making good decisions. When you feel like there's no hope, just start serving people and start making good decisions. As you serve people and make good decisions, God will begin to restore. But take that humble posture. It's God's grace and his compassion. And when God heals, God will often bring people into your life. Here comes Jethro, who's gonna be a mentor to Moses. Here comes Zipporah, who will be his wife. And how does God heal? If you've had some negative, abusive relationships, if you've had some toxic relationships, how will God often heal? He'll bring in some very positive relationships. He'll bring in some people, and through those people, there'll be restoration. That's what Moses is gonna experience here. God opens doors that you and I don't deserve. Because he's compassionate, he will open doors for us that we do not deserve. Jethro his name means priest, friend of God. He's gonna be father-in-law and mentor. How many are blessed with incredible in-laws? You married into this family and you're just feeling like, thank you, God, for this family. Some of you are like, I'm still praying for my in-laws. <laughs> That's okay, too. That's okay, too. Uh, but in Moses' case, God's compassion was poured out. And now... Zipporah, her name means little bird. Gershom, stranger in a foreign land. God will bless you even when you're in a foreign land. Even when you think, how did I end up here? What was my purpose here exactly? And Moses is seeing the compassion of God in a foreign land. It's a restoration story because Moses receives the grace of God. Let me ask you, how are you doing when it comes to receiving from God? Receiving his love? receiving his grace, receiving his compassion. Is that how you start the day? Is that how you end the day? Are you overflowing with God's compassion? Or are you busy and distracted? Do you have pride? Do you have walls up? Are you still trying to do it all in your own strength? If you are trying to control and do it in your own strength, you will not receive the compassion of God to fill you because you're so insistent on your way. I encourage you today to receive his mercy, receive it afresh. Every day, receive his encouragement, receive his word, receive his presence, receive the Holy Spirit, receive his love in the most difficult areas of your life. Why? Because if you don't, you're gonna be running on empty. You're gonna be worn out and stressed out, and you'll probably take it out on some other people. So make that choice to receive his compassion and open your heart that God would fill you. Moses, if he doesn't receive his compassion, the story won't move forward. Now, it's not gonna be an easy path for Moses. He's gonna spend 40 years in Midian and he's gonna be a shepherd. Once again, our perception of shepherd is not always accurate. We see this 
great little picture of shepherds leading sheep and the sheep are so happy and the shepherd just has his little staff and says, over here sheep and the sheep say, this is awesome, thank you shepherd. <laughs> Jesus is the good shepherd and the good shepherd knows how much sheep wander, right? Bah, I'm not going over there. Uh, this is what the good shepherd does. He lays down his life for the sheep. When you think a shepherd, you might have this image of this dainty little person. Oh, little shepherd. Always talks in a pleasant voice. Shepherds were rugged. Shepherds would ward off danger. They would lay down their life if thieves were coming. Shepherds are courageous. Shepherds are strong. Moses learned all of this. He learned as he took care of the sheep. David took care of the sheep and learned about people. Moses took care of the sheep. He's gonna be leading two million people. As he's taking care in that shepherd role, it's courageous, it's rugged, it's not easy work. Shepherds get in there with the junk and they gotta clean up everything and shepherds are serving and leading. He learns in the Midian wilderness. And you know what else he learns? He learns the topography of the peninsula, the Sinai Peninsula. Well, why is that important? Because when God sets the people free from slavery, Moses will lead them through the land, through this wilderness. He's gonna know the land. He knows sheep. He's learning sheep. He's learning the topography of the land. All that tells us God is preparing him. God restores and prepares. He doesn't restore you so you'll just sit there. He restores you and prepares you for a great work. And even when you don't see it or recognize it and it's not on your radar, God is preparing you. You might think, what was that job that I did where I just served people and didn't seem to have a big impact? God was teaching you how to be humble. God was teaching you when you were over there learning one skill. And then God was teaching you about people in that setting. And when they mistreated you at that job, God taught you how to respond and keep trusting him and keep going forward. You see, Moses is being prepared by God through learning the land and the topography, through learning how to lead sheep and be a shepherd, because Moses is gonna lead millions. And God still has a plan for him. God still has a plan and doesn't give up. 40 years of hard work, God prepares us even through the detours, the delays, and the difficult times. Well, here's the last couple verses of chapter two. Verse 23, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery. They cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God sees your suffering and he hears your prayers. Your prayers are not in vain. Prayer means crying out. In slavery, they were crying out for God because they were miserable. And their suffering was at its peak. Even in the history, it's the sad part of the history of our country is there's been slavery here, but people cried out to God and God delivered and God raised up people and slaves were courageous and standing up to tackle injustice. We need equality. We, we haven't arrived there yet. We need more, but we've come a long ways and it's God who continues to set us free daily from sin and the traps of sin and the slavery unto sin as well. So we cry out to God and God moves and God is faithful. God remembers his promise. God is powerful. He remembers his covenant. When you read the Bible and you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's something there. 
What is the covenant that God brought? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This goes back to the book of Genesis. We're reading in Exodus, but a lot of times you read the Bible, you gotta look at a previous text. In Genesis chapter 12, there's a couple different mentions of this covenant. We're gonna go theologically deep for a minute. I will make you into a great nation, God says to Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God's design to bless the Israelites, to bless all the nations. Now, Genesis chapter 15, we read again, God, this is covenant. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites. There were a lot of ites back then. Uh, <laughs> then we have the next verse. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And then look at this next one. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession. That's an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. See, God remembers his promise. He remembers his covenant. He remembers that the covenant with Abraham included the land and the blessing and the descendants. And that's one reason why no one has ever been able to annihilate the Jewish people, because they never will. I'm not saying everything Jewish people do honors God or is good. I'm not saying that. God rebukes them. He holds them accountable. But what you see in the Bible is important in terms of covenants. And the Abrahamic covenant is one that God's going to remember as they are slaves in Egypt. God is going to deliver them, be faithful, and bring them back to the land. And it far exceeds Moses' choices or any amount of his righteousness. This is about a covenant-keeping God who's going to intervene with compassion, who still has a plan, and he's still in control. What does that tell us? Continue to pray. We began this year prayer and fasting, three weeks. Those prayers didn't just hit the ceiling and come back down. Those prayers, like an incense, go up to God. God hears, God cares, God responds. We set up an interactive digital prayer wall, hundreds of you praying now. It's just another catalyst for more prayer so we can cry out to God for each other. If you're not on that digital prayer wall, I strongly encourage you to start praying for your church family and crying out. And what else is happening? I mean, there's elders' prayer. There's prayers after the service today. There's a lot of prayer groups. Here's one ministry, drive-through prayer. Why do we do that? We're lifting up people. We're praying to God. We believe God answers prayer on every Friday night the last few years from five to seven. What happens? People in our city, thousands drive by within those two hours. And then they pull into the parking lot and they say, can you pray for me? Many of them, they don't know God yet. Or, or they don't go to a church, they don't have a church family, they haven't read the Bible, some of them, but they're coming in and they're just saying, can you pray? Can you pray? They're driving with tears, say, can you just pray? We have about 25 people now trained to be part of drive through prayer. That doesn't mean they're on every single week, but it means they're learning how to pray, how to listen to people, how to have conversations, how to care for people. Some of you are thinking, you know, I've always thought about going on a missions trip someday. Let me tell you, there's a missions trip every Friday here on Auburn Way. That might be a really good place to start right there. And you know what? If you go through the training and you decide not to be part of the drive through prayer, that's okay. You just got some awesome training in how to come alongside a hurting people and listen and care and pray. 
That could be your next step. You can find the drive-through prayer page on our website. You just say, I wanna learn more. Go to the Connecting Center, I wanna learn more. Let me say it this way. The group that's been trained is growing. Now we're praying about adding a second day or time. If there's more people who wanna be part of this ministry, you will be trained and we will add more days. The more people that wanna pray for our community, the more days we'll add. And if we keep getting more people, you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna have prayer out there every single day where people are just coming by, stopping in to pray, to pray. I'm telling you, God gives these incredible opportunities. They take a little faith. I'm just gonna get trained and just take a first step and then prayerful decisions. God gives incredible opportunities every day and some of them are planned, some are not planned. God is moving and God hasn't given up on Moses. He has compassion. God only works through flawed people. There's no other option. There's only one kind of people. That's flawed people. This is Moses. He makes good decisions. He makes bad decisions. He's a flopper. Do you know who God uses? Peter. Check out this glimpse from one chapter of scripture, Matthew chapter 16. This is what Peter says. It's a bold declaration. It's so strong. Jesus says, you know, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered with faith, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then what happens a couple verses later? What does happen a couple verses later? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed. He's sharing the gospel over and over and over with the disciples. I must be killed. I'm gonna die for your sins. And on the third day, be raised to life. There's gonna be a death and a resurrection. He keeps telling them. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Can I encourage you to never rebuke Jesus? It just doesn't play out well. Jesus, let me tell you how life's gonna work. Let me tell you your destiny. Let me tell you I got a better plan than you, Jesus. Let me just tell you, never, Lord, ha-ha, never to the gospel. What? He said, this shall not happen to you. He might be well-intentioned, but those are terrible words. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. One minute, Peter says, Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The next minute, he's rebuking Jesus and saying, I know more than you. I got a better plan. Does God give up on him? No, he has compassion. There's gonna be restoration. He's gonna prepare Peter. He's gonna reinstate Peter. And you know what? Peter is gonna lead thousands to Jesus. This is not the end of Peter's story. He's gonna lead thousands to Jesus because God only has flawed people. And without his compassion, we're never gonna get it right. But when we receive his compassion like Peter did, like Moses did, God is gracious. And listen, your restoration is linked to their restoration. Peter, your restoration personally is linked to thousands being restored. Moses, your restoration after you murdered a man is gonna lead two million people to freedom 
Your story's not over, Moses. Your story's not over, Peter. It's time to receive the compassion of God and to live with God. God doesn't forget his covenant, his promises, his word. He doesn't forget the purpose on Moses' life. He hasn't forgotten you, and he still cares. What starts personal becomes local. What starts personal becomes global. God forgives you and blesses you so that you can make a difference in this world. Learn from your mistakes. Receive his restoration. Let him prepare you. And then go forth in the name and love of Jesus. And there's no limits to what God can do. This is how God works. Look at those four words again. Because of God's great compassion, which is the golden thread and the key to all of this, God brings restoration. God brings preparation with purpose. And then it leads to multiplication. That's what God's doing in Exodus chapter two. That's what God's doing today. Let's close the service by taking a minute to receive his compassion. Where do you need the compassion of God? Where are you worn out? How have you blown it? How are you discouraged? How have you been passive? What does procrastination look like? How are you racing ahead of God instead of waiting on him? How are you trying to do the Christian life in your own strength and power? Today we repent and we turn from that. We turn to our Savior who's good. He's the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He leads his sheep. Jesus, our prayer now is that you would restore in this room broken hearts, empty vessels, take away shame and guilt, bring truth, bring people, bring mentors, bring healing, God. We pray that you prepare in this room. Lord, there's a calling on our lives. It's important, it's significant. God, thank you how you prepare us. Everything that's happened to us, you still, even though people mean it for evil, you turn and use it for good. God, you're powerful. Turn it around. God, multiply it. There's over a thousand of us gathered today. God, if we say yes to you and you multiply it, bless the other churches, God. Multiply. God, you tell us, be fruitful and multiply. Help us to make disciples. Help us to pray with people. Teach people how to pray. Teach people how to read the Bible. Marriages that need to get built up. Parenting. God, what you teach us, help us to pass it on to others. Not be silent. What you give to us from the word, help us to share it with others. Not be stingy or hoard or be selfish. God, our prayer today is you'd restore, you'd prepare, you'd multiply for your glory. And we thank you, God, that you are unstoppable. You always keep your word and you're faithful. We trust you. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen.